Thank you for listening to this message brought to you by the audio ministry of Lighthouse Baptist Church in Schenectady, New York. For more great content, please visit us at lighthousebaptist.org. Now let's open our hearts and minds to the Word of God. I wish that she... I wish you could have saw that. She did a full court. Went the whole length of the whole full court and scored the basket at the end. I, was, I actually jumped in my seat watching it on the film. I didn't even see it live. But praise the Lord for that. Julia, right? I think it was Julia that did that. Amen. Praise the Lord. Good to have you all here. I want you to, if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn to Acts 16, the book of Acts 16. If you're unfamiliar with the Bible, someone near... Uh, that is sitting near them, please help them find that uh, passage in the scripture verse. Uh, I have a selfish reason why I picked this passage. This passage was the passage I was reading the night that I got saved. And uh, I thought it would be appropriate for today, uh, especially with all those that are here, and especially if there's anyone here that doesn't know Christ as their Savior, doesn't know absolutely 100% for sure, if you were to die this very day, that you'd be standing in the presence of God, accepted into heaven. Um, You can know that for sure today before you leave this place. Um, But I, I thought I would use that because it's the most thankful thing I am so grateful for. I've said before, there's three things I'm, the three most important things, and my my friend Ronnie uh, back there will know what these are. The three most important things that have happened in my life is number one, I gave my life to Christ and I got saved and live, I've lived my life for the last 36 years for him. Second thing was when I picked my wife, or I should have said she picked me, all right, and got married. She's been the greatest blessing of my whole life. The third thing was when my friend Roy uh, decided he wanted to fly underneath the bridge with, a, with his airplane and asked me to go, and I said no. I, I, I've, I've said that a thousand times. It's like, uh, I know that I would be dead today if I had done that. Uh, I kind of wish he was here so he could tell you about that story. But anyways, I've entitled this message, We're All Still Here. All right, we're all still here. Now, and if you look in, in uh, chapter 16 and you start with verse 16, listen to the words of this story. And it came to pass, this is Paul, by the way, As we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her master such gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us, and and, uh, I can't see that well because my light isn't here, and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation." And this she did many days, but Paul, being grieved, turned and said to the spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And he came out of, this, out of her the same hour. And when her master saw that, uh, that the, the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas. They drew them into the marketplace unto the rulers and brought them to the magistrates, saying, These men, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city. And teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe with being Romans. And the multitudes rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. 
And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. I want you to notice that. Charging that jailer to keep them safely. Who being received, uh, who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. Now, I don't want you to miss these next few verses, all of us here today. Right? It says, and at midnight, now remember, after they've been beaten, after they've been thrown into the inner part of the prison, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And then suddenly there was a great earthquake, so that the foundations of the prisons were shaken, and immediately all the doors were opened, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison, awaking out of his sleep and seeing the prison doors open, he drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing that the prisoners had been fled. He had been asked, right, just prior, we just saw that, to keep them in there, in prison, they, thinking they were escaped. In Roman law, uh, they would have crucified him for allow, allowing a prisoner to escape. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for here it is, this is the title of the message, for we are all here. And then he called for a light, sprang in, came trembling, fell down before Paul and Silas, and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, washed their stripes, and was baptized, he and all his straightway. And when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them, and rejoice, believing in God with all his house. I had been asking for an entire year, once, once I was approached with the gospel, what it meant to be saved. And I'll never forget the night that I was in my living room at 2 o'clock in the morning after searching through the Bible, after asking several people, uh, of one of which was a pastor that said, you can't know that for sure that you're saved, only God knows that. But I knew that wasn't true. I could just tell in my inner spirit that that was not true, all right. I knew there must be a way. Otherwise, what would be the, what would be worth living for Jesus in any way, or what would be worth living at all if you if all you have is this life and you don't know if there's anything in the afterlife? And I was reading this at two o'clock in the morning. What must you do to be saved? And I said, that's the question I've always been asking. What must you do to be saved? On the TV, it was playing a Christian program. I don't know who it was, Michelle, that was on there, but. This, somebody said, there's nothing you can do to save yourself. It's all what Jesus did for you. You need to put your faith in him, believe it, and you can receive salvation through him. I knew right then what to do. I repented of my sins. I bowed my face down to the floor, and I asked Jesus to save me. He saved me that very moment. When God moves in, you know it. When he moves in, he moved in my spirit, and the rest is history. The next day, I went into my job. I had... Uh, several employees, and I went in and tried to lead them all to the Lord without knowing anything about anything, and I just used the scripture verses I had, and one of the girls that, I, that worked for me, Kathy, is in the back of the church right now, that I witnessed to her, and she uh, rededicated her life and got married and baptized. All that stuff just progressed right from there. She's been a friend ever since, ever since that day. So I've entitled this message, We're Still Here. Now, I want to ask you all a question. When it comes to your life and why you are here, have you ever asked yourself, why are you here? Or, better yet, why are you still here? Now, think about that. Why has God kept you around uh, all these years, but he hasn't kept others? It's a really thought-provoking question. 
right? Is God showing you favor? Uh, did they do something wrong that, they took, that he took his life, their lives early? Uh, what was God's purpose for putting you here, and why has he kept you here? Now, the question is, have you ever thought of that, about these questions? Because there's a reason you were put here, and a reason you're here this morning. And I want you to stay with me. I hope I've got your attention with just that introduction. Let me give you a little background to this story so you can understand where I'm going to go with this, right? This is Paul's second missionary journey. Um, during the journey, Paul and Silas ended up in prison, and, uh, as you just read. Uh, God gave Paul a vision one night, and he told him that the people of Macedonia needed help and that their hearts were ready to receive Christ, uh, so get there as quickly as you can, and they immediately left, traveled a short distance to the city of Philippi. Now in Philippi is when things began to go wrong, and a lot of times that's what God, that's what God uses in our lives to get our attention, things begin to go wrong, right? Because he wants you to look to him for help. But anyways, while preaching there, a young girl, she followed them around, she brought to her masters, or you would say their bosses, a lot of money. She, she brought them a lot of money through soothsaying. Now, soothsaying, that word translated soothsaying, can basically be rendered this, fortune telling. That's all she was, a fortune teller. So she followed Paul day after day and just cried out, these men are the servants of the Most High, which show unto us the day of salvation, or the way of salvation. She was not lying, by the way, but I think she was being sarcastic. So what's interesting here is after Paul commanded the evil spirit to come out of her, in the name of Jesus Christ, immediately she lost all of those abilities to do that. And her lucrative living was gone. And when her masters or her bosses learned of this, knowing their income was in jeopardy, they were not happy campers. And so what they did is they brought Paul and Silas to the local authorities and they said, these men, right, being Jews, do exceedingly trouble our city, teaching customs which are not lawful to us to receive, neither do we observe, all right, being Romans. Now think about this. These pompous businessmen dishonestly accused Paul and Silas of troubling their city and teaching customs which were not lawful to observe being Romans. And the reason they said that is because they were losing money, but they were lying. They were trying to incite a riot. It's a lot like our political system today, isn't it? Through Judaism, was, though Judaism was legal, it was illegal to proselytize Romans. Uh, so they used it. And they were trying to incite a mob and change the atmosphere. And they did. Uh, and the magistrates, therefore, ordered Paul and Silas to be stripped of their clothes. And then they whipped them and beat them for their crime. And then they, uh, after the beating, they cast them in the prison. Now let me tell you a little bit about this prison. Roman prisons typically had an outer ward and an inner ward. So <clears throat> the outer ward was for the less violent prisoners. The inner ward was for the more violent. These men weren't violent. All they were doing was preaching the gospel. So the inner ward today would be like solitary confinement today. So it would be called, like I think the prison jargon is, it's the hole. You know, if you mess up, you get sent to the hole. Uh, so for the worst offenders. So there they placed them in foot shackles. But when they threw Paul and Silas in prison for simply preaching the gospel, and I'm afraid that may come this way, our way, in the years ahead, the way things are changing. But when they threw him in prison for preaching the gospel, God said that ain't going to happen. He took note, and the first thing he did is at midnight, when they were singing 
rather than whining about their situation or their troubles or they weren't wailing over their misfortune, they were singing, they began to sing praises unto God. Uh, and by the word, by the way, just uh, on a side note, that word praises is the verb for humos from the Greek, uh, which the English word uh, hymn der derives from. So you wonder why we were singing hymns in the church, right? I'm a hymnal guy, type of guy. So in other words, right, Paul and Silas were singing hymns, go figure, and their singing was loud enough that everyone in the prison had heard them, including God. And then suddenly at midnight, what happened? Without warning, God sends an earthquake that shook the very foundations of the prison. All the prison doors just fell off of their hinges. All the shackles fell off. All the feet of all the prisoners in there uh, came off during that time. And the keeper of the prison, seeing the prison doors open, he assumed that everyone had escaped. So he goes in, he runs in. Um, and by the way, it's Roman policy. You just kill, if you let prisoners escape, the jailer must be executed. So he just runs in, right? He cries and falls down before Paul and Silas, cries out with a loud voice. Or at first he's going to thrust a knife uh, into his, and, uh, into his uh, stomach. And he says, oh, and, and Paul says, no, we're all here, right? So he, he thrusts himself in. Paul says, do thyself no harm. We're here, for we're all here. And the, pri and the prison guard says this, sir, you know, I, you're, what, you're still here. What must I do to know this God? That's what he's saying. What must I do to be saved? So what must I know, do to know this God of yours, that you would still be here? So that's the, con the conclusion God wants everyone to come to, by the way, is that uh, what must I do to be saved? What, what do I have to do to know you personally? H how do I just get to know you uh, so we're like one-on-one -on -one relationship? And I'm going to share with you that in just a moment. Not only did this man receive Christ and be saved, he took that message back to his family. His family got saved. His entire household would follow suit. And then they all got baptized and the rest is history. It was that question that plagued me when I got saved. What must I do to be saved? How do you, can you know 100% for sure that you, when you die, you'd be in heaven with no doubts in your mind? Uh, Paul replied with the gospel in all its splendor and simplicity. He just said, just believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. So why were Paul and Silas still there when they had chances of, the chance of a lifetime to escape that prison and be free from prison? Well, here's the answer. Because they were planted there by God for the prison guard to be saved. That's very simple, isn't it? But that's why they were put there. That's why they were beaten. Uh, they needed to be planted in that place because that prison guard was going to trust on Jesus Christ as his Savior and he needed two servants of God to share with him the way to be saved. So when I say that, God planted this church here, Lighthouse Baptist Church, 36 years ago, to save souls in this area. And that's why this church is still here. Um, if you're not sure you're saved today, you pick the right day to come and to visit with us because this is your day of salvation. In other words, it's going to be offered to you in just a second. It says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, I have heard thee in a time accepted. In the day of salvation have I succored thee, or helped thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Right? So no one will leave this sanctuary today with the excuse when they get to heaven, right, that they didn't hear how to get there. Because I'm going to make sure you did. Years ago, traveling through Virginia, 
uh, we used to have an old RV, and we were traveling through Virginia, and we stopped at a rest area where I picked up, the, the thing broke down, by the way, we were stuck down south for a while. Uh, I picked up a traveling pamphlet that got my attention, and this is what it said. It said, we're here to get you there. We're here to get you there safety. And it just gave a whole list of directions of where to go if this happens, where to go if that happens, uh, uh, all the, the, the places you can get food and uh, fuel and uh, repairs and everything else. That's why Lighthouse is still here. That's why I'm still preaching the gospel after 36 years. I'm still in the ministry, right? To make sure you end up safe and secure in heaven. I'm here to get you there safely. That's why God saved me all these years ago. It wasn't just to save my soul from hell. It was also to provide another man in ministry to help others save their souls. So if you're here not knowing for sure heaven is your eternal home, we're glad you're here. And we love you so much, we just want you in heaven with us. That's all it is. Um, we love you and are thankful for you, but most of all, we care about you. Way too much, way too much for you to miss heaven for our lack of telling you or for your lack of knowing the way because nobody told you. So many people live their whole life knowing they're living, but they're not knowing where they're going. They don't know what God is letting them live for or what God intended for them even in this life. And they have no idea God put them here to make a way for them to live with him in heaven forever. I remember before I was saved, I was going to make a lot of money. I was going to be, you know, I was going to have businesses that survived and, and money to buy my, my college intuition for my kids and all that stuff. And it all changed that night that I got saved. People are living life to fulfill their own dreams and satisfy their own desires. I was one, and that was me until these verses changed my life. So here's a question. Is living life to fulfill your own dreams and satisfy, satisfy your own desires what life is really all about? Because really that's what most people live it for. Not according to God, thus the reason he sent and crucified his own son, Jesus Christ. Because there's something way more important in this life. He didn't want to lose anyone in this life and have them miss the next life with him. So your life is a journey. It's intended to be lived for God and end up living with God. That's the whole purpose. You were born, was to be born again into the kingdom of God. But not everyone knows that or makes that their goal in life or finds that path. So they live, they love this life without making any preparations for the next life. Uh, I never really knew that until the fall of 1986 when I read this passage and understood a few things. I knew there was more to life than just surviving, and that's all I was doing at the time. Living to pay bills, living to enjoy a few pleasures, picking up a few possessions along the way that are only going to be given to your kids when you die. There had to be more to life than that, and there is. I knew there was more to life than just living a few years to please myself and then dying and it's over. Um, so when I read this scripture, I want to share with you some things with you. And you'll be out of here mostly on time. We may go a little past 12 just because of the few things that we did extra today. But my eyes are open to four vital truths that every soul should realize. And I want to give them to you. Number one is this. Now listen carefully. Every life journey has a duration. In other words, the duration is unforeseeable, but it has a duration. 
Every trip has an estimated duration time. Uh, we're going out to Kentucky this week, and we're trying to figure out how long it's going to take us to get there. Uh, because we're, we want to know that. We want to know when we're leaving, when we're going to get there. So no one knows what the trip may bring or when the trip may end. Um, everyone begins this journey thinking or hoping it will be a happy trip with a happy ending, but we learn very quickly in life it doesn't always happen that way. In fact, it hardly ever happens that way. We want to journey with very little breakdowns and detours, but quickly we find out that's hardly that hardly ever happens. Let me just share with you a few things. No one ever plans into a trip a diagnosis of a fatal disease, do they? Like cancer, COVID, Lou Gehrig's, Alzheimer's. Nobody plans that into the trip. No one plans into a trip disasters like house fires, floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, where everything is lost in one instant. No one ever plans into a trip a life of dependency upon drugs or alcohol or pornography or gambling. Uh, I've never met anyone that has said to me, I'm so glad I got addicted. I'm so glad I lost my house. Just recently I was sharing with a young man. He, he, he came forward after my message. Not here. It was in another place I was preaching. He said, and tears running down his eyes. He said, Pastor, I... I had businesses, wife, children, everything. I lost it all because of drinking. All of it. I have nothing. No one ever plans into their trip days of incarceration or the distresses of foreclosures or the dread of repossessions or loss of jobs. No one plans that into their trip, but it happens all the time. In 36 years of leading souls to Christ, I've sat across many who ended up in prison. And almost always, with tears pouring down their eyes, they said to me, if I had another chance to do it all over again, I wouldn't have done this. I remember sitting across from a, a man who murdered his mother. And he said, Pastor, what's wrong with me? Why did I fall to that depravity? No one plans into their trip divorce, domestic violence, or years of separation from their family. No one plans that in. Life can be very hurtful, can it? And it can leave some very bad wounds that just won't heal. And a lot of times that keeps us from coming to God or wanting to hear anything more. But, you know, when you think about the dis dis disabilities and ailments that result in confinements to wheelchairs, life support, public assistance, add to those things wars, fatal crashes, violent crimes, we know the journey of suffering is very real, isn't it? The fact is, no one knows the duration of their journey. No one plans into their life's journey the breakdowns that come with it along the way. So, and add, to top that all off, hardly ever do they plan into that trip death. Um, hardly anyone plans for it, and no one thinks about it until, you're, until you have to face it. And then you've got to do something. And many times it comes quickly where you can't do anything about it, and it's too late to do anything about it. So the truth is, we are all going to die, some sooner, some later, because life has a duration. Secondly, every life journey has a destination. It has a destination. The destination is undeniable. The Bible tells us when we die in this life, we will live forever, all of us. We're all going to live for, forever, but not in the same place. We're either going to live forever in heaven or we're going to live forever in hell. That's what the Bible tells us. I'm not saying it. I'm not trying to scare you or nothing like that. You're our guest. We love you. I'm just telling you what the Bible tells you. 
in heaven is the de- if heaven is the destination for you and you're not uh, and you're not sure you'll be there when you die then I have good news for you if that's where where you want to be right I can get you there safe sure and uh, and 100 percent with 100 percent assurance I don't mean I can get you there Jesus can get you there but I can point you the way but there are some things that God says you must know Right? I wish I could put everyone into heaven. I really do, as so many pastors and churches do, but I can't. The truth is, not everyone is put out of their misery when they die. For some, they enter into eternal misery uh, forever in hell, suffering like they've never experienced before, because that's what Jesus said. That's what the Bible said. So I, I'm not preaching hell and brimstone. I'm just saying this is what the truth of what the Bible says. I can't put you in heaven. But I can keep you out of the misery of hell by showing you the way and how to get there. Concerning your final destination of life, here are some of the ways you're not going to get there. Number one is you can't earn your way into heaven. That's what the Bible says. uh, Thinking your good works or being good is good enough to let you in. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It's given to you, not of works, not of works, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no boasters in heaven. It's all about Jesus in heaven. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Well, what's that mean? Come short means fall short. That's all it means. So in other words, if I were to try to take a, uh, a softball standing in this parking lot and hit the Walmart in Albany, it's going to fall short. That's what our righteousness does. What little bit of righteousness we have, it falls way short of God's righteousness. Here's another thing. You cannot buy your way into heaven by giving money to the church or to do good causes. It's nice, but it doesn't get you any gain. Uh, they that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother or give a, a God a ransom for him. That's what it says in Psalm 49, 6 and 7. Here's another one. You can't plead your way into heaven. You can't plead your way or beg your way into heaven. God isn't going to be lenient with you or look past your sin and let you in based on your good intentions. Because you know why? Because if it were that easy, you could do it. But it wasn't that easy, and Christ had to come down from, the, had to come down from heaven right, and die on the cross in your place, the cross that you were meant to be on, uh, so that you could be forgiven of your sins and he could impute to you his righteousness with his life. Here's another thing. You cannot reserve your way into heaven based on a church affiliation or a Christian upbringing or church membership. There are people in hell right now who never missed a day of church. You cannot will your way into heaven based on positive thinking or mental persuasion. I love this verse in Jeremiah 3. It says this, 4 and 5. Wilt thou not from this time cry unto me? God is saying this. My father... Thou art the guide of my youth. Will, ye reserve, will he reserve his anger forever? Will he keep it to the end? Behold, thou hast spoken and done evil things as thou couldest. Do you know what he's saying there? He's saying, in other words, God is saying, do you think by saying nice things to me now it's going to get you past what you've done to me already before? In other words, just keep saying nice things and I'm going to just look up past it and, and, let, and let you into heaven? It's not going to happen. You know, you have to look to the cross, and you realize that. So the truth is, there's no way for you to get yourself into heaven. Heaven is a holy place without sin, reserved for the righteous. Our problems, 
Our problem is there are none righteous enough to go there, no, not one. Doesn't that sound terrible? None of us. It says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all of our unrighteous, all of our righteousness are filthy rags. And it, it just means our righteousness compared to God's righteousness doesn't even, doesn't even hit the scale. It, as it is written, the Bible says, there's none righteous on that one. You only receive, now listen to me, there's good news here. You only receive the righteousness needed, the righteousness needed to get into heaven as a gift from God. That's the only way you can get it. Right? Through his shed blood, through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, whose blood covered your sin, forgave you, cleansed you from all your unrighteousness, and he rose again, and then he gives you his righteousness. His death purged you from your sin, forgave you, and his resurrected life can impute to you or give to you his righteousness. And it's a gift given to, you, to us from him that must be received. It has to be received by faith uh, in order for you to be reserved in heaven. So the trip has a duration. It has a destination. It also has, this life's journey has directions, or, and the directions are unmistakable. So thank God for the GPSs we have, amen? Uh, you know, it gets us from place to place, doesn't it? But nobody ever thinks about God's GPS, God's positioning system. Not many think about that. But he wants us positioned right next to him for all of eternity. That's supposed to be our position. But he couldn't do that because of our sin. And Christ had to fulfill that. He took the position on that cross, that position that we should have taken. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherein he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So if you're still here and you're still alive, you still have time to change directions. Amen? The jailer, or the prison guard, was about to kill himself, but God told him that, that jailer they were positioned right there by God to give him directions on how to get to heaven. And he gave them to him and he got saved. You know, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man, uh, but, uh, um, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me, he said. That's it. I'm the only way in. And that Father giveth me, and all that the Father give me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, he says, I will no wise cast out. If you're willing to come to Jesus this morning, he's not going to cast you out. He's going to accept you, and he's going he's to bring you right through this life into the left, next life whenever that uh, duration ending is. So here are God's directions for you to know 100% sure that you are saved from your sin, 100% sure you'll be allowed into heaven. The Bible says, God's holy word says, we must be saved in order to be righteous enough to be allowed in. I guess before I give them to you, though, we must understand what sin is. What is sin? Well, we don't talk about much about that anymore. Sin is anything you think, say, or do that is not right in the eyes of God. Right? Sin is breaking God's commands. Is there anybody here who hasn't broken a command of God? If you told one simple white lie, you've, you've broken a command. Sin angers God, too, by the way, because it took his creation away from him. For whosoever keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Do you understand what that's saying? If you just do one sin, you've done them all. Because you're considered a sinner. Here's a, who has sinned? Well, we've all sinned. We have all done things that are wrong. If we're honest with God, we, we would be honest about that. 
no one can keep all of God's commands perfectly enough to bring glory to God. Because we've sinned. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. What is the punishment for sin? Well, that's eternal death. That's what it is. Separation from God forever in hell. Sin keeps us out of heaven. The wages or payment for that sin we must pay is death, eternally separated from God in hell, a place with no escape, no relief. And by the way, he didn't make it for you and I. He made it for Satan and the devil, the devil's angels. That's who he made it for. It's just we chose to go there by rejecting his offer, by sinning against him, uh, disobeying his commands. How is my sin taken away? Jesus Christ. He came down from heaven, died on a cross in your place to take that punishment for your sin away. His shed blood cleanses us from all sin. How can we be saved from our sin then? You just got to be born again. What's that mean? Well, you were born once in the lust of the flesh. Right in the flesh, you were born. But you got to be born again in the Spirit of God. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In fact, Jesus said this, Verily I say unto you, except the man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom. So what must I do right now to be born again and save from my sin and be accepted in heaven? Just make a decision today. That's all it is. A simple decision to believe God. Repent of your sin, turn from that unbelief, and then turn to Jesus, cry out to him, and ask you to save you. If thou... Uh, it says in Romans 10, 9, that if thou confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and, and believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, based on those conditions right there. So it's a one-time call to an all-time God. You cannot get in heaven without confessing your sin and then calling out to him and asking him for it, for salvation. So life has a duration. Life has a destination. Life has a divine directions. And lastly, every life's journey requires decisions. So I close with this. Decision that we all have to make is unavoidable. We either receive Christ as our Savior or we reject him. It's really one of two. It's unavoidable. You're all going to face it because God says he's not going to let any man enter into hell without having the chance to make that decision. We all know decisions and the lack thereof all resort in consequences. They do. Bad decisions result in bad consequences. Good decisions most often end up in good consequences. And many times not even making a decision will curse us because uh, we need to make choices here and there. Sometimes we avoid them and get ourselves in trouble. But when it comes to eternity, listen everyone, please listen carefully. There is only one decision that matters and only one decision that changes everything. It's a life and death decision. And that decision is giving your life to Jesus Christ. Now most everybody in the sanctuary, I, I believe in this church anyway, is are, they're saved. They got saved. They know the moment Jesus moved in. It's a decision you have to make, though. Each of those decisions were personal decisions, and this is a decision you have to make personally to receive Christ as Savior. You, you'll have a personal relationship with him once you do. 
I call heaven and earth to record this day against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life. That's what God's crying out to every soul on planet earth. Just choose life. Don't allow this life to go uh, uh, and miss Christ in it. Heaven is a gift from God. All you got to do is receive it. You just got to receive it. It's a one-time, once-in-a-lifetime, once-and-for-all-time invitation that can be received one time, and it's done forever because of the faithfulness of God. You cannot get into heaven without that decision. So obviously I want to give you that opportunity to make that confession of faith and receive him and receive the gift of eternal life. If you haven't done that already, because the Bible says in John 1, 12, but as many as received him to then gave you power to become the sons of God. So there must be a moment in your life that you believe these truths and act on them by faith with a conscious decision to repent of your sins. That means turn from unbelief, turn to Jesus, believe in him, and then receive his gift that he is giving, wants to give to you. That's all it is. So once you believe and receive him as your Savior, you'll be forever secure in his hands. And that can happen right now, this day, this moment, right here in this sanctuary. You just sincerely call out to him. You say something like this, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin and believe you are my Savior. I've heard the truth, and I accept it. I accept you as my Savior, and I accept the gift of salvation. Really, it all comes down to just saying right now to Jesus, yes, Lord, I'm ready, and yes, I'm yours. Come into my heart right now and save me. So let's bow our heads for a moment as we close this service. If you're ready to pray that prayer right now and mean it, God will cement your salvation in your heart that you will know it. And know it for sure. And walk out of these, uh, these doors today a different person. If you would pray that prayer right now, Lord Jesus, I repent of my sin, believe, you as my savior, believe in you as my Savior. Right now, just say, I receive you and your gift of eternal life. You come right now, Lord Jesus, and you come into my heart and life and save me. If you prayed that and pray it right now and mean it, God will cement that in your heart. And God's not an Indian giver. He keeps his promises. He said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. If you call, he'll save. Now, with your head, heads bowed, think about this. The duration is unforeseeable. You don't know how long you're going to live. The destination is undeniable. It's either heaven or hell for all of eternity. The directions are unmistakable. You know how to get to heaven now. You don't have to do nothing to go to hell. And the decision is unavoidable. Now you've been told. So all that's left is what you do with the truth. God is not only waiting for the unsaved to make a decision to be saved, he's also waiting for the saved who have gotten off track to get back on track. And maybe that's you today. Maybe you've just been off track and you need to get back on track and you need to make that decision today. There may be someone here today who's off track and wants to make a decision to get back on track by rededicating their life. They've been saved, but they've been away from God for so long, been out of church for so long, they don't even know what it feels like anymore. Or there may be someone here who's saved and has never followed the Lord in baptism, or has never followed the Lord in, uh, in uh, membership, right? Or there may be someone here unsaved but wants to know more, and maybe there's someone 
who's here who is saved but knows they're not right with God right now and they just want to get back with him. They want to get right with him again. Listen, if any of those questions you, would you raise your hand so I can pray for you? I won't embarrass you. I'm not going to call anybody out by name. Is there anyone here that wants to get saved today or just prayed that prayer or is looking uh, right now for Jesus to save them? Just raise your hand up and put it back down. I'll say amen. Amen. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else? Want to know 100% for sure you're saved? Today is the day of salvation. You can settle that right now. Anybody at all? I see some people just squirming in their seats. Listen, don't, don't deny God. He loves you. He doesn't, he's just, he's, he, he, he loves you. Just give yourself to him right now. How about, is there anyone here that uh, knows they need to get right again? Rededicate themselves to God by the raised hand that I can pray for you. Anybody in the church that knows they need him? Uh, they've been away from him, and they know that it's, it's time to get back with him. Anybody at all? Amen? I see your hand. Anybody else? Or anybody here maybe hasn't gotten baptized, should follow through with, baptiz- with baptism. They know they've been baptized as an infant. We know that's not scriptural. But wants to get baptized, and that follows your salvation, and hasn't done that. Is anybody all at all would like prayer in that area? Just raise your hand, and I'll just say amen. Anybody at all? We serve a great God. Now, for those that raise your hand to be saved, I want to, we have an usher in the back that's got a decision card in his hands, and he's just going to put them in your hand for you to fill out and leave with us. Uh, anybody at all, if your hand was raised, just, uh, just put it up again and just grab one of those decision cards there. that message was an encouragement to you. To stay up to date with us, please follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook at LBC Schenectady. If you would like more information on how heaven can be your home, please visit lighthousebaptist.org slash the gospel.